regular, regular, regular features. A regular, regular, regular features. A regular, regular, regular features. A regular features of Sean. Hey, lady. Welcome to Regular Features. This is the podcast that is the same every week. I'm John Blythe, and I am joined in my sexiest voice mode by... Who are you, Steve? I'm Steve Hogarty. The snickering was not me. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, I'm Steve Hogarty, the snickering bandit. And on your left is, who are you, you snickering bastard that interrupted him? I just like to snicker at my friends being sexy. I'm Joe. It's the most horrible voice to do. Uh, But well done, one day. But hang around as you will seem more sexy to the ladies you love so much. Love them. Tonight, I will be introducing you to the sex that is had by concepts you've never even imagined. And I will be looking at what if Shemima Begum's left tit was British and her right tit was Bangladeshi, much like we as a society have desperately tried to separate the image Mm -hmm. of a 15-year-old victim of radicalisation. Yes and an adult capable of making her own decisions. And where has that left us? And her tits. <laughs> I was wondering, how long can you keep up that serious thing for? I, I, a lot of admiration. What's your feature, Joe? Uh, I'm just going to kick off a brand new podcast to TV adaptation starring a pizza man. Nice one. Why don't Finally. we listen to that right bloody now then, shall we? Okay. Oh, Pizza Man John's coming right up. Pizza Man Just like a pizza. Just one more feature. (laughs) Give it to me. Delicious ice cream. God, I'm sorry, you were recording. From Italy. Regular features. I think we've all realised by now that podcasts are big business for the TV corporations. Do go on. Well, first there was Aaron Mankey's Law. Yes. Which is a really fun set of sounds. I'm Aaron Mankey. And this is my cabinet of dreary bullshit. (laughs) I'm going to tell you a ghost story, but in a way that ruins it. Yeah. (laughs) If someone like a grandpa told you the same story, you'd be more amused and interested. But when I say it, when I say it, so to speak, it is a dull thing. You'll listen, inevitably, to six or seven of my episodes of Lore, and then stop realising how much time you've wasted on me. (laughs) Aaron Mankey, your podcast host for tonight, (laughs) on this, The Cabinet of Dreary Bullshit. (laughs) I'm slowly piecing together who Aaron Mankey is. He's the host of Lore and Cabinet of Curiosity, two podcasts that have content but are delivered in such a frustratingly drawn-out way. You think, this could be five minutes. Yeah. Stop it, Aaron. These could be, like, those blips on E4. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's got an Amazon show all about law, and I've not watched it, but the- I assume it's big business. Law like dragons or law like illegal dragons? <laughs> <laughs> the former, but law about... He's, the- it's, there's no reason for it to be called law. 
It's just made up stuff that people have told him. (laughs) (laughs) Which has nothing to do with law. It's ghosts and murders and mysteries. Well, the first one is about death, and they have. He does introduce some kind of historical interest stuff, like. Oh, is that what he does? The first episode of. TV. S1E1 Mm. is death, and he goes on about how people used to be scared of being buried alive and all the stuff they used to do to deal with that. It's some interesting history, but. Mostly he just tells a ghost story badly. <laughs> okay. Well, that was really the first finger out of the dike of podcast TV adaptation. <laughs> Have either of you become acquainted with Dirty John? No. Dirty John was apparently real big on the podcast scene. Passed oh. me by. It's from the LA Times. It's a true story. It's unravelling a mystery. It's telling a story that already happened, but pretending that it's still happening a bit, I yeah. think. It must not be on one of the podcast networks I listen to that endlessly nag me to listen to other fucking shows on the same network. And I do, because I'm desperate <laughs> well, for more. <laughs> well, she sounds nice. I will listen to Creature Features. <laughs> uh, we but, should have other podcasts on this network. That's a great idea. Imagine who else we could get. What, what <laughs> network is this, Steve? <laughs> Regular Features Network. Oh, the Umbrella Company. Well, we'd have to call yeah. it RFN. For no. legitimacy. Really oh, yeah. fine now, you know, noises. <laughs> really fine noises. <laughs> <laughs> Limited. Uh, yeah, so Dirty John. You're not aware of Dirty John? I haven't a fucking clue. It's, I think it was on some sort of TV in the US, but over here, streaming, baby. Netflix. Right at the top of Netflix, it's oh. got uh, Connie Britton, who's in Stuff, and Eric Banner. Playing a non-Australian character. Nice, he's and a big old banner. Him, I like him. He's Dirty John himself, uh, a man who lies to women. No, um, it's all sad. Is he like? Are you just sure you're not saying Sneaky Pete wrong? <laughs> Sneaky Pete's on a different, a whole different network. This is a very conscious attempt. <laughs> Adjective man's name is big business, and we're better to get it than podcasts. They've got Giovanni Ribisi on one. They got Eric Banner on the other. Take your pick. Have you seen? Have you listened to Gimlet Media's Homecoming no. drama series? With David Schwimmer and David Cross. I get the out. double Daves. Get those pros out of our medium. I know. But they've turned that into... It's like into, footballers being models. Get the fuck out. <laughs> they've turned that into a, an Amazon TV show now. Oh, Ugh. my God. Of course they have. Gimlet. They started off with Startup, which is the not... best place to start, as far as I'm understood of it. <laughs> I, I, I really might love be... Reply All, though. Reply All is the best. Sorry. They've got one about Harambe. It's great. <laughs> they have not. It's the only one I've listened to. Uh, I just thought, basically, like you say, RFN. Let's start a new podcast right here. You know, sometimes you, a podcast that's actually good has a teaser episode that appears in your feed for a podcast that's not as good. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. I've got yeah. a new podcast. Now, what everyone wants, I believe, from podcast TV adaptation, darkness, but also... Kooky human element. Oh. What they like. They like an element of like, this could happen to me. But if it did, it would be shit. So I've got a new podcast for you, <laughs> and it's called... This fits. Everything that happens to me is shit, so I, I'm <laughs> down with this. <laughs> it's called Papa John. Listener note, this show contains adult content, extensive vocal fry, and a lot of pizza. 
I'm sitting in the lobby of the head office for Papa John's Powerful Pepperoni Pizza Parlors, PLC. You probably know it more simply as Papa John's. You probably even know where your closest Papa John's location is. It's on the high street, probably, near a super drug or somewhere that sells bits for a vape. What you don't know is the dark secret that lurks within the halls of PJPPPPLC creeping like injected cheese through a chubby stuffed crust. I still think about it every day when I'm on the toilet or smell bread. This is Helen Fuck Panzer. She's with me in the lobby. And I love this man. If the PJPPPPLC corporate hierarchy were a slice of pizza held vertically, crust to earth, Papa John himself would be the string of cheese created by getting stuck and pulled all along by the plastic disc with legs that holds the pizza in formation during transit. He is above the rest, and yet somehow even beyond it, part of a wider fiscal pie, and myself and Helen are about to meet him. Hello again, PJ. Helen, so good to see you. Pull up a beanbag and don't you dare mention on tape that I cooked your dog on a pie made of my pizza. Ah, shit, I didn't mean to say that on the tape. My name is Crust Melancholy, and you're listening to Papa John. In 1982, successful business journalist Helen Fuck Panzer used the phrase big cheese in writing for the first time. It was an instant hit, like Tamagotchi's, and soon everyone was saying it at the dance clubs. But two weeks later, a subpoena appeared on her big desk. She was being sued badly by someone who claimed they came up with the phrase first. Unbeknownst to Helen, she was about to meet the man she would come to know as PJ for the first time. In court, he just kept insisting that he'd said it first, but had forgotten to write it down because he was so busy turning pizza into big coins. Listen, I was in my mozzarella factory and a tiny Tony, my compact consigliere, looked at the fat mozzarella my boys had made and said, whoa, that's a big cheese. I said, no, I'm the big cheese and you'd better believe everybody laughed huge at that one, let me tell you. And then what? This Gavone with a typewriting machine gets the credit for my big fun cheese reference? I don't think so, mama. So I took Helen to court. And that's where I saw the most beautiful lady I ever laid my peepers on. <laughs> Born Papa Herbert John in Hunkajunk, New Jersey, <laughs> the world's first pizza millionaire's rise to prominence was as fast as it was litigious. Shortly after opening his original restaurant, the short-lived Papa John's legitimate shrimp business, the budding entrepreneur invented the gesture where you kiss your push-together fingers and then spread them to say that something is good or tasty. The rest, as they say, is the story you're about to hear from Helen. He apparently spent two years workshopping that gesture. He didn't even show it to his mother. 
She died never seeing that gesture, but screaming that she really, really wanted to. But he knew it was too valuable to get wrong, and eventually he cracked it. He drew a little cartoon of an Italian chef with a big mustache doing that gesture. It was perfect for the pizza boxes. Too perfect. And anyone that used it, he would sue into the ground, then buy their closing restaurants for pittance before turning them into an outlet for his new venture, Papa John's Powerful Pepperoni People's Pilot. His fortune assured, Papa John became a reclusive figure, living in Beverly Hills' wealthiest district, Barshole, <laughs> seemingly emerging only for his customary court appearances. But after meeting Helen across the aisle of a courtroom, there was another aisle he wanted to see her up, the aisle of I'll marry you. But, 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 Bert, he had a strange way of showing it. Oh, gee, Bert. <laughs> he just kept suing me. He once sued me for eating a cheese string the wrong way. I tear them from top to bottom in concentric patterns to the core, and he just bites them. That's the kind of guy he is. He sued me for defamation of character once, and when I won, he tried to shoot me. And I told him his gun was too small to do much damage, so he sued me for defamation of Derringer. <laughs> but it was only then, when he sued me for being a foxy B-word, that I really understood. It was a whirlwind romance that she admittedly didn't know she was a part of for some time. He swept me out of that cot in his big pizza arms, and we made love by the light of an industrial oven for quite some time. <laughs> Those were the good days. As Papa John's power grew, Helen's career waned. She wanted for nothing except garlic dip, because Papa John's garlic dip is notoriously poor. You expect a thick, creamy sauce, like at Domino's, but it's like a stinky liquid butter, with such a low viscosity that it whips off the crust and onto your shirt at the slightest movement. I don't get it. <laughs> Anyway, Helen couldn't be arsed working anymore, is my point, and it seemed destined that she would soon become Helen Fuck Panzer John. And then it happened. She left me like a longboat sails in the night. A longboat? Yeah, like a Viking longboat. What kind of a reference is that? My sweet papa used to say it. Aren't you Italian-American? No, I'm of Swedish extraction. <laughs> wow, that seems like the perfect podcast episode cliffhanger. A real humdinger. Strange yet deeply human. See you next week on Papa John. But what about the money laundering I discovered and Papa's subsequent campaign of intimidation? Save it for later, Helen. We've got a ten-episode run. Those idiot McElroys are paying for it all. But remember earlier how I mentioned the PJ said he'd been turning pizza into big coins? That was literal. He, he baked coins into stuffed crust. For fuck's sake, shut up, Helen. A McElroy could hear us. They're everywhere these days. I'm a Viking, baby. Fucking on the bitches, looking at the features. And now it's time for Steve's regular feature, Steve's written about Shemima Begum. Am I the only person, when you hear that girl's name, who thinks of Doc Cox's 1980s creation, Iva Biggin, who used to sing <laughs> vulgar songs? Am I the only person that feels fondly of her for that association? <laughs> I feel the jingle coming on. <laughs> what did Iva Biggin sing? 
Oh God, I, he was a terrible racist. Ter- no, I can't remember. I just it was just stuff about dicks and that. I think. Oh, that sounds quite good. Well, he was. Vul- I mean, it sounds like this podcast. I think of that's life. The program that he appeared as Doc Cox on as. A kind of right-wing sneering at everything that is run by the government with a view to long-term conservative privatisation. Really? It feels and that way. I think, for that. I think back on it and it's constantly like, ooh, look at this job worth doing their job. I hate them. Ooh, British Rail sandwiches. Do you know what they put in them? It is not savoury. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, that's <laughs> where we are today. Anyway, Shemima Bigham, what's the, what the fuck has she done for nationalised industry recently? I'm angling for a job on The MASH Report, which is why you'll have noticed all of my recent features are taking sideways, askance, stroke, askew, glances, askance, at the news. It's my favourite thing askance, to glances, point out views. every time you do it, because you said you like doing it. And now I have to make sure that you know that I know. I've done drones. I've done uh, Prince Philip. Prince P. uh, Crashing as Land Rover. Yeah. And now it's time for my barbed wit to take on anti-hero of the hour, (laughs) Shemima Begum. Watch out, the home office. She is genuinely the Deadpool or Wolverine of today. <laughs> Shemima looks to camera and says, Get a load of that! <laughs> Get a load of my biggums! She's always oh breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> oh, Shemima. And uh, let's just. So I thought, you know. You know what? I wrote, <laughs> I wrote this in a real hurry. <laughs> this is, it's and you, know, you don't have to treat topics like this with any kind of respect, Steve. Well, it's yeah, fine. One, it's like, so. Let's talk a little bit about the creative process. <laughs> Is this another podcast? RFN's going to be bulging at the seams. Sometimes I, like, to get my juices flowing, I'll just start writing sentences down, and then they, I'll see what they are, and they'll spark something, and I'll go from there. Automatic nice. writing. Sometimes um, I'll do that, and then... It'll come time to record an episode of the podcast, and I haven't actually... This sounds ref- a lot like David Bowie's creative process. I think so, too. <laughs> and so I was thinking about... he's dead now. <laughs> yeah, so it turned out badly for him. <laughs> he tried it one too many times. <laughs> Shemima Begum. Most famous dual national that we know. She's not really dual national. That's the whole point of her not... You can't strip her of citizenship. But let's put that to one side. Most famous aspirational dual citizen. Yeah. yeah. Argued by Sajid Javid to be dual national. Mm. But pointed out by the rest of us that she's not. So stop it, Sajid Javid. <laughs> to me, she's a dual national, as in she is a shining, glittering <laughs> emerald <laughs> in our country's heritage. <laughs> <laughs> Too far, log. What? <laughs> Until you hear what I read. <laughs> what if Shamama Begum's left tit was British and her right tit was Bangladeshi? Oh, no. Hello, I'm Shamama Begum's left tit and I absolutely love fish and chips. Not so fast, Shamima Begum's left tit. I'm Shamima Begum's right tit and my favourite food is Ilish Maka Dakai Paturi. Well, I think we can both agree our favourite politician is former Prime Minister Tony Blair. You must be mad. Our favourite politician is definitely current Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina. No way. You'll be telling me next that your favourite film isn't The Full Monty. I've never even heard 
of The Full Monty. My favourite film is No Bed of Roses, a 2017 Bangladesh India co-production drama film written and directed by Mustafa Sawa Faruqi. Will you two please be quiet? I'm trying to have a nap down here. Oh, sorry, Shemima Begum, stateless arse. Yeah, sorry. Oh, I hate that stateless arse. Yeah, me too. At least that's something we can agree on. Tit high five! Shemima Begum's tits slapped together excitedly during her interview with Sky News, which the journalist mistakes as enthusiasm for beheadings. The headline reads, Tit slap Begum romp boffins, now she's after your pensions, <laughs> Princess Diana. <laughs> Tit slap Begum romp boffins, now, now she's, she's after your pensions. pensions. <laughs> There are a number of questionable aspects of that uh, feature. Why were both of her tits voiced by boys? Is this... Yes, and by having her tits and arse speak, I'm dehumanising a woman, but... She was doing an interview with Sky News. They, I, I am... <laughs> Wait, sorry. It's not your place to put words into Shemima Begum's mouth. <laughs> tits and arse, maybe. Fair game. <laughs> Is a commentary on how we we have dehumanised Shemima Begum as a as a, as a person. Postmodern oh, conceit. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, maybe we are. She is breaking the fourth wall with her tits and bum. Well, let's move on. <laughs> I don't want to have to defend what I've just I, said. I just want to know what was the sentence that you wrote that sparked all this. You said you had one sentence that sparked it. Uh, my name's Shemima Begum's <laughs> left tit. <laughs> <laughs> Is it just me, or does anyone else think when they hear Shemima Begum, Jemima, the doll off um, play school, and Big Ben, the bell inside Westminster? (laughs) (laughs) No, that is literally just you. (laughs) So, um, do either of you two like custard? Uh, Of course you do! That's because it's got eggs in it, and eggs are for sex. It also came, contains... <laughs> Hold on. And it also contains vanilla, which is the kind of sex you have if you can't stop imagining your mum walking in and you don't want to upset her too much. <laughs> too much. <laughs> and not forgetting milk and cream, which are sexy per se, and sugar, which is what you call a lady, to let her know that you want to climb inside her blouse and get all handsy with her torso. Is it any wonder that we call human jism nature's custard and feed our children a nourishing blend of custard and jelly, which in this context means a lovely big arse? (laughs) What's going on? Basically, I've been thinking about sex. (laughs) Basically, I've mentioned earlier about Creature Features, the podcast on the... It's either iHeartRadio or Gimlet or one of those big boys. Mm. And they were talking about animals having sex. And I was like, well, I haven't got an idea for a feature today, so why don't I just do this? Okay. And I thought, what about... Said, what? How do things that aren't human have sex? And I thought I'd look into it. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? So, I don't know. Do you know? Do you know how polar bears have it off? Go on, have a guess. How do polar bears have it off? Uh, and that's how it, what it's called, having it off. <laughs> I think one has to slide down a glacier, high speed, in right in it. Oh, <laughs> the yeah. other. And if it goes fast enough, the lady at the bottom of the slide instantly, open a leg. <laughs> instantly gives birth. And a combo multiplier ignites 
the Aurora Borealis. <laughs> <laughs> Two times, it says in the air. And that's when they know they've got twins. No, no, that's this is all silliness. I'm going to tell you right now how polar bears have sex. Polar bear sex only begins after polar bear marriage, but they are literally poles apart from the faithful penguin. Polar bears only ever fuck outside of wedlock, like their dicks and fannies are on fire, and everyone's else's ass, mouth, fanny and hand is a lovely bucket of water. <laughs> but because they don't really like talking about it, Polar bears invented the don't ask, don't tell open relationship. A typical session begins for the female when the husband is out on a glacier looking for sweet babes to spend his ice dollars on. During this absence, the wife will poke her entire hairy ass out of the bedroom window and shart, or shit fart, pheromones out until a passing male catches a full facelock of her hormone dreadlocked derriere. This will cause the man to begin to slobber, and he will say, Oh boy, oh boy, I can smell a big lady's ass in a window. <laughs> David Attenborough voice is really weird he's, somewhere. He's, cool. Yeah, he's getting, he's getting into it. <laughs> this is what he'd be like if he actually got into it. <laughs> he's famous. So, so fucking not bothered. He's very aloof, isn't he? <laughs> famously uncaring. <laughs> The male polar bear presses his snout and dick into one of the many municipal pots of Lynx Africa and shouts, Coming! Which will cause the female to run around her bedroom flipping all of her wedding photos face down. <laughs> there, are, there are moments in this where I feel like I switch off for one word and it's a completely different subject. Just, you need to keep up. Yeah, I really do. It's a frantic love life, and you need to be on it. When her suitor finally lands with a colossal smash through the bedroom wall, he will have fully taken leave of his senses, and will generally begin to initiate sex on several items of furniture, while the female drums her fingers and rolls her eyes at the video camera she has set up to facilitate a nice frig later on. <laughs> Oh, Log, you've done that. <laughs> you wouldn't have written it unless you'd done that. No. Or had it done Other to things you. are things I have done. This is not one of them. Crashed through a wall and yes. fucked the furniture. <laughs> Left behind a big log-shaped hole. Eventually, the polar bear's baser instincts kick in and the male's penis finds its way to within inches of the female's polar bear bean. Which by this point is sizzling like a Chinese skillet. <laughs> what the fuck? This is when her husband will burst in, drunk on fermented ice cubes, with his own catch of the night. A second female who is usually the wife of the male that just ran through the wall. After a period of negotiation and discussion, the two couples will reassess their relationships and establish a loving four-way. And Chernoak pups in an environment that is so overwhelmingly sex positive that they'll say something weird at school and their teachers will report them to the social services. Polar bears, the world is not quite ready yet for your pioneering queer relationships. <laughs> <laughs> so there you are, that's it. Oh, that's the whole documentary. No, that's uh, that's polar bears. I've got two more things oh, how they fuck. fuck. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes, please. <laughs> 
Yeah, so that's it. I just wish I was brought up in a loving four way relationship with I just want more queerness in my life. I am just depressingly yeah. not queer. Gay. That's not queer. I want to be queer. I want people to fucking just wank at my window, which is what I understand queerness to be. No no limits. No boundaries. Just I want people to have questions yeah. about what I do. Yeah. Not just to know by looking at me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who's that middle-aged puff who's probably settled down? <laughs> so um, so that's polar bears. Mm. But why limit yourself to animals? How do you think really dry planets have sex? I'm not mm. answering. <laughs> I can't think of an answer to that one. Why don't why? we let... Famous naturist. Brian Cox. Brian Cox, oh. tell us. Oh, I don't know what he's... Oh, what does he sound like? Mancunian. Oh, yeah. and Mancunian. Oh, that's a really dry and lifeless male. Okay. Uh, that's quite hard to I'm married to. to a transphobe. Uh, Is he? Yeah, he's, he's, he's part of the turfy world. Is he? Okay, well, don't do his voice. Let's do um, uh, Patrick Moore. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Racist. What's, how is that? <laughs> oh, Patrick, Patrick Moore is racist as well. <laughs> is he? I bet he probably yeah. is. Do it what as God. He wore, a, he wore a bloody monocle. No one's, no one wears a monocle and isn't racist. Because yeah, that lets you squint at whoever you want and they don't know. They don't know whether yeah. you're trying to analyse their intent <laughs> yeah. based on the colour of their skin. Exactly. So I'm going to do it as a, one of the things you suggested, but then within two sentences I'm just going to back to do what I was doing because I was quite comfortable in that voice. Yeah. Oh, Carl Sagan. When the really drunk beat his wife. Sorry, go on. When the really dry and lifeless male planet is ready to mate, it will jettison a plume of sand from its mantle. This serves a dual purpose. Blow both as a gloomy come hither to any melancholic female planets in the quadrant. And it's also how the planet steers itself from the orbit of its hostile scorching sun to the solace of behind its own moon. Once out of the direct impact of the deadly UV rays, the planet will begin to spin faster and faster until it starts to sing a low, mournful melody. It sings in taciturn tones of the absence of livers, lizards. <laughs> it sings again. in taciturn tones of the, the absence, absence of, of lizards. lizards. That's one of the most beautiful things you've ever written. Wow. Thank you, like, thank you for no. understanding what I said, even though I went slozzled. <laughs> it sings a dismal ditty that no life can be supported in its toxic atmosphere, apart from the odd tardigrade or some other extremophile bullshit that doesn't even count. <laughs> the odd tardigrade. <laughs> That's a really good name for future reference. Odd yeah. tardigrade. <laughs> a name for a pub. <laughs> It sings sadly that a tit or a nice big dick has never scampered across its surface and how it longs to play host to something as mundane to other planets as a centre parks. Only a very special centre parks where the activities come as standard instead of costing you extra. This morose song will attract a female barren planet who on her approach will say something like Oh, I know how you feel, love. What follows is the most vast act of coitus imaginable. A fine, dusty dune slips without lubrication or joy through a gravelly valley. 
the gravity of the larger male attracts some of the female's own poisonous atmosphere, leaving him larger but no more satisfied, and leaving her a sense of being cheated, even though she entered this encounter knowing full well how physics worked. <laughs> it took me ages to remember this is about planets. <laughs> it's about planets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a more vibrant planet... Oh, Joe thanks. would use the volcanic eruption as a sign of orgasm, but these have orgasm, <laughs> orgasm. But these husks, more, a more hackneyed planet would use. Yeah, a more mm. fucking pat planet. <laughs> <laughs> but these husks have to make do with a sandy, impotent fraught before jettisoning one last sandy goodbye guff and returning to their respective lonely orbits, where the male planet will admit to himself that he was being silly about center parks. I mean, charging extra for the activities is how they keep the basic prices down. And how should people... And why should people who just want to use the pool subsidize the dickheads who want to fuck around in a forest with a bow and arrow? (laughs) Ugh, he thinks. People. I'm better off without them. And then... The planet loses the will to spin on its axis. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's how it. Dusty Dry Planets have a fuck wow. in space. This feature is like just a word cloud, but for your brain. <laughs> <laughs> it took longer than usual. This this ran over the uh, train journey and into a costa. This is <laughs> fucking gorgeous. <laughs> Um, last one. Do you want to know how a temporal paradox has sex? (laughs) Yes. But only if God presents it. Okay. For the purposes of this one, I am God. I'm going to do God's voice. Mm. First of all, you need to go back in time and have sex with your mum. And then wait nine months and then deliver yourself. Then you need to act like your own dad. Only making every opposite decision your dad made with you. Enjoying the thrill as you feel your personality change as you mess around with your own history. For instance, hugging you in the past will make today you feel happier. And screaming at your child and punching it will make the adult you angrier and less well-adjusted. And this is obviously paradox ripples and not just basically how interacting with a child will make anyone feel. Shut up, this is a paradox. When you realise you've been doing this cycle for a billion years, you will realise that the only way to break this chain is to find your original dad, who you knocked out of the loop the first time you went back in time. So you go and find him, and then you rim... You rim the fuck out of your dad's hairy asshole until you both die without children, and you cease to exist. But if you don't exist, how come you can still taste your dad's sweet, hairy ass? <laughs> now... You know how bef- that to me is the plot of the Snowman by Raymond Bricks. <laughs> you know how just before this podcast you came up with the term Papalingus. Yeah, that's what- <laughs> you've just described it. Papalingus, 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 and the only definition of that online, as you found out, Joe, is that uh, it's, it's what happens I after it's the Pope obs- dies. Obsequious devotion to the Pope, not licking your dad. So, yeah. Well, you certainly put the loop in looper. (laughs) I love the way you looked at me after saying that, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Milk me, and then just hold me, because my name is...
Juicy Susan. Well, that's it for another episode of the Regular Features Podcast. Thank you for listening and thank you for being a friend. But if you really want to show your friendship... Yeah. Don't just be one of those friends that doesn't go to patreon.com slash regular features. Because... If you threw a party and invited everyone you knew, you would find the biggest gift you got from me. And the card attached would say, here's $2 an episode. (laughs) I've subscribed to your birthday. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of friends, I'd like to mention some of our newest friends. Line them up. I'd love to meet them. Some of our newest friends on the Patreon are Caleb Bork, Balk, Oh, bulk. Not, not bork, bork like a chicken. No, bork. Not, not bulk like a horse does at a gate. Again, this is all stuff he's heard a lot. This is all classic jokes about yeah, well, this guy's name. Do you, do you have a name that you've had made fun of out from the beginning of your life? Why not patroners? And you can hear those, <laughs> those very same jokes broadcast to everyone you introduce the podcast to. But with better voices yes. than the people who've said them to you before. Bulk like a chicken. <laughs> John Price. Oh. He's always right. Nice. Yes. Fuck you, John. <laughs> got ya. Rinsed ya. I've got Chris Crow again. Again, he keeps upping his patron amount. Oh, is that Crowy Strong? It is Crowy Strong. He, that guy, is a vast strong chap. Yes, he, Have you seen his Instagram? He is a fucking oh, lifter. He he's a power lifter. Strong. Yeah, he's a. Yeah, he's. Well, he knows the value like of marginal gains because he keeps adding increments to his patron amount, nice. which pumps him up to the top of the. Uh, of my will shout you out list. I love the fact you keep saying words like gains and pump. Words that he is well acquainted with. Mm, and I, I th- Did you mean to do all those words, Steve? No, Chris Crow just put them in my mind. Oh, yeah. I dare say Chris Crow has directly influenced at least the polar bear section of your, your feature. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck yes. <laughs> right, stop talking about fucking the patrons. Finally, Russell Soans. I'm not attracted to Russell. I'm sorry to say. But you don't not know that. Go in for him. Um, wow. Just, you know. Just well, based on the name, just just based on his name, Russell Soans. If he upped his amount a little bit, would you be? I'd up my amount a little bit. Okay, because then you'd engorge your penis with blood. Bit. You, but you don't have to give blood. Cash is enough. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. And even if you have just listened, just tell your friends. And can you wipe out mo- all my thirsty shit about Chris? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll just hear this bit where Log is saying, please delete all of the thirsty shit I said about Chris. Yeah. And you'll never just, know. Just delete the bit where I'm going hubba hubba and slapping myself on the head with a fucking shoe. <laughs> and we're having to stop you. God, please stop, Log. Chris! <laughs> Come to England! <laughs> Goodbye. Regular Ficheros. <laughs>